Good evening and welcome to the May 2021 edition of Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Tonight we have two stories, starting first with a look at Maplethorpe, the director's cut. The film's screenwriter and director, Andy Timoner, is here with us to share with you what you will see in this new release of the biopic she created. Robert Maplethorpe was a groundbreaking artist who helped redefine the meaning of art and obscenity in our society. In the second half of our show, Grace Villafuerta and Chris Kren from Sonoma County Pride are here, and they're going to tell us all about this year's very exciting Sonoma County Pride celebration. And let me tell you, it is going to be huge. So stay tuned. It's all coming up next, right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, May 23rd, 2021. This is Greg Moralia with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of May 23rd, 2021. President Joe Biden and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken both recognized last Monday's International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia. President Biden issued a statement celebrating the progress toward LGBTQ plus equality over the past 31 years. The day observed recognizes the anniversary of the date in 1990 when the World Health Organization ceased classifying homosexuality as a mental disorder. But the president noted that much more needs to be done. President Biden said that his administration will, quote, always stand with the LGBTQ community. And he pointed out his rollback of discriminatory policies, enactment of inclusive ones, and appointments of out officials. And he went on to urge Congress to pass the Equality Act, which is a broad LGBTQ rights bill that's been approved by the U.S. House, but yet to receive a vote in the Senate. The president added, quote, everyone is entitled to dignity and equality, no matter who they are, who they love, or how they identify. And in the state of Tennessee, businesses and other public spaces will soon have to put up a warning sign if they allow transgender people to use the restrooms and changing rooms aligning with their gender identity. That's under a new bill signed into law last Monday by Republican Governor Bill Lee. This is just three days after he signed another anti-transgender bathroom bill, that one regulating restroom access in public schools. House Bill 1182 now requires any building or facility open to the general public that allows trans access to post a sign with the language, quote, this facility has a policy of allowing the use of restrooms by either biological sex, regardless of the designation of the restroom, end quote. And it applies to locker rooms, showers, and dressing rooms as well. The new law goes into effect on July 1st. And next week begins Pride Month 2021. And here in the Bay Area, more cities than ever are expected to raise a pride flag on their official flagpoles. A number of agencies are replacing the traditional six-color version of the LGBTQ pride symbol with more inclusive designs. At the request of San Mateo County LGBTQ leaders, cities on the peninsula are being asked to fly the Progress Pride flag. Daniel Quasar designed it in 2018 by combining versions of the Philadelphia and transgender pride flags with Gilbert Baker's original six-stripe rainbow flag. The Philly version includes a black and brown stripe at the top of the flag, in addition to the standard six colors of the rainbow. Those two additional colors and the blue, pink, and white stripes from the transgender flag form a chevron that points to the right on the progress flag, thus symbolizing marching toward a better future. Last week, the Board of Trustees at Napa Valley College unanimously approved a resolution recognizing LGBT Pride Month and ordered college officials to fly the Pride flag over the campus in June. The college, too, will raise the newer Progress Pride flag this year. For a calendar of LGBT events happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com. For Outbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. Robert Maplethorpe was an amazingly talented photographer and artist whose work redefined what art can include. It was 1990 and The Perfect Moment, a collection of 175 Robert Maplethorpe photographs, had just opened at Cincinnati's Contemporary Art Center. The retrospective included classic nudes, sensual flowers, two portraits of nude children, and five very explicit images of gay S&M culture. The display was shut down almost immediately by law enforcement, and the museum curators were prosecuted under existing obscenity laws. Now, when the case went to court, Maplethorpe and the museum was vindicated in a decision that redefined the meaning of art in America. 
Curiously, screenwriter and director Andy Timoner's biopic Maplethorpe suffered a similar form of censorship when first released. But fortunately, now that too has changed. Here to share more about Maplethorpe, the director's cut, is screenwriter and director Andy Timoner. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Greg. Uh, this is a very exciting biopic to be talking about. I love Robert Maplethorpe's work and, and all of the influence that he had. But before we get talking about that, uh, for our listeners who don't know your work, tell us a little bit about your background and what got you into filmmaking and, and your attraction to Robert. So I, uh, I never really thought consciously that I would become a filmmaker. But when I was a student uh, at Yale, I was a junior, I just picked up a video camera and went across the country and started asking people questions over spring break of what made them happy and what they feared the most and what they thought of gays in the military. Cause it was 1992 and that was a hot topic. And, uh, I realized with a camera in my hand, I could get, um, all kinds of conversations going and have a much more enriching experience, um, rather than just stopping into a convenience store and buying a bag of chips Sure. Suddenly I was embroiled in debates and it was a lot of fun. So um, the camera has always been a bridge into worlds I could never otherwise enter or I felt I couldn't. Um, and I started with women in prison in Connecticut for a class at Yale uh, about transgressive women in American culture. And, and that led to one woman's story and, and made my first feature, The Nature of the Beast, and then uh, came out here and, and really told the story of art and commerce by following two bands, rock bands, over seven years for a movie called Dig that uh, won Sundance in 2004. And I didn't really even have Sundance on the radar, but it did change my career and led to many opportunities and many more films that I've made over the last 17 years since then. What a, what a including- cool way to spend what a cool way to spend spring break. Yeah, well, that was, yeah, that was a great idea going, <laughs> except for the three speeding tickets that I incurred in uh, in Kansas uh, on my way back, trying to make it to school back on time. It was a little bit of a short window to try to traverse the nation and come back. But I turned that into my first film, which was called 3,000 Miles and a Woman with a Video Camera, because I asked a man in a convenience store what, what he feared the most, and he said, women with video cameras. So that's when I, uh, that's how that title came about. But um, I've always gone on, like whether it was Dig or We Live in Public, which um, brought me back to Sundance in 2009. And we again won the grand jury prize with that. Also about what I call an impossible visionary, a person who takes on the impossible and sort of acts impossibly because Mm -hmm. they have to withstand the doubt and ridicule of people that don't necessarily understand what they see at the time that they see it. And I've kind of made, I've made movies and series about these kinds of people. Um, Bjorn Lumberg from Cool It, uh, a climate uh, change expert and economist, um, also very controversial. And, you know, Josh Harrison, We Live in Public, and Jimmy Stice in Jungle Town. And um, the list goes on and on. When I got to Robert Maplethorpe, uh, I wanted to bring him alive. And uh, everyone that I'd made these documentaries about was alive or is alive at the time that I made the film. And so I needed to write, I needed to write this film. And uh, I felt like it would be so exciting and important for artists and for LGBTQ people everywhere to really see him come of age, come into his artistry and come into his sexuality uh, all at the same time. That's what happened. You know, it's like peeling back an onion or something when you're an artist, as you make your work and as you kind of explore and filter the world through your own experience, you learn more and more about yourself, you know? And uh, Robert, when he picked up a camera in his, you know, early 20s, um, it led him into clubs that he you know, really the underground and uh, BDSM and all of that, you know, S&M clubs that weren't even an apple on his eye at that point, you know, and, right. and he, it became undeniable. His sexuality became undeniable to him, even, even as it meant that Patty uh, and he could not continue, Patty Smith, and he could not continue to be partners and life partners as he thought as he thought he would be spending his life with her. And, um, and then also his family, uh, you know, staunchly Catholic. He was raised in the Catholic church as an altar boy. 
Mm. And uh, he was very intrigued and entranced by the iconography of the Catholic Church and um, and a believer. And mm-hmm. and then to be gay was just, you know, obviously going to put him at odds with his father, with his family and with the church. Um, and so I really wanted to make sure to document where the, you know, the brilliant conflict and contrast in Maplethorpe's work comes from. And it really comes from his relationship to the church and his family. Um, and and so that was a very important part of telling the story as well. So what, uh, you know, some biopics are just like a day in the life, but this was uh, important to me to kind of track his life almost in fast motion. Mm-hmm. And so um, you, had to, to, you had to do all the research then. Yes, actually, once I went to, I was invited to the Sundance Director's Lab um, and Writer's Lab with, with the project. And I got to, for, I got to shoot four scenes um, in 2010. Um, the original rights, we optioned the rights in 2006. Um, and then I got into an agreement with the Maplethorpe Foundation in 2009, and then took the film to the Sundance Labs in 2010. And that was very formative. They said, you know what, you, you're ready to direct a scripted film. It's my first scripted film and not a doc. They said, you know, we can tell from the scenes that you're ready to direct uh, this film, but you, you need to write the script. You need to write the script. And, and I said, well, what makes you think I could do that? <laughs> so I basically asked Bob Redford that. And uh, he said, you know, the way that you've shot these scenes, um, we understand that you get Robert Maplethorpe as a character and then, you know, all these other, I guess they probably didn't use the words impossible visionaries, but these characters that you've portrayed in your documentaries, you understand him. So you should write it. Um, so I went home with the challenge of having to write the script and contacted the Maplethorpe Foundation. And they were so wonderful and forthcoming with a box of 50 books all about, mm-hmm. you know, his early works. And that's how I got familiar with his collage work. And, um, and then, I didn't really even understand how that was part of the formation of his overall vision, um, which you can kind of see play out in the director's cut. Um, and I, I should distinguish that the director's cut is um, is the actual original version of the film. Um, it's the cut that I made that actually was official selection at Sundance for 2018 and then was not allowed to play and was re-edited. Um, by certain powers that be involved in the production. This happens sometimes with scripted films. It was heartbreaking for me. Um, but yeah, the, this is the complete version. So it actually includes the Catholic Church and the boy and some of the psychological unfolding uh, that happened within Maplethorpe in my interpretation of how he came to take the world that he was documenting, that underworld that he was documenting that was like, deemed obscene by society and elevate it to museum floors and to, and making co- photography a collectible art form mm-hmm. as he went. That That's, uh, you know, the visual effects that kind of take us into his interior life are only in the director's cut. So that's kind of, I think, worth the reason why it's worth seeing is, is that, you know, you get to see him as a boy and you get to see how important um, the church was and also how he envisioned taking people. He went moved from being a documentary photographer to really taking the subjects and putting them in a studio and really showing the form and almost like Michelangelo or Rodin, really formalizing the work. And that's what really had it transcend. He was determined that we see the beauty that he saw in mm. that world and in that life. So and I that do, was very revolutionary at the time. Oh, most definitely. But but I have to ask, uh, you you alluded to you know having to make some pretty serious edits uh, from the powers that be. What what was driving those edits? Was it the? I have no idea. I, I still don't know. Um, I think it was. I have no idea. I really don't know. I mean, there's some deep psychological stuff that I think was happening, but I don't. I was wondering, like, is there a Catholic on board that I didn't know? Is somebody staunchly religious? Like I couldn't figure out why these edits were being made, um, but that was beyond my control. It was not something mm-hmm. that I was really participating in, and I didn't support the re-edit. But I was quiet and supportive of the 
official version that was released. And, you know, it's still my work and the work of these incredible actors, even though it went from a nonlinear film to a linear film. Well, I just find it, I find it fascinating that I'll, I'll use the word censored, edited, uh, because a lot of Maplethorpe's work, right, was clearly censored. It's just, there's sort of a, an irony there irony. that's interesting. Oh my gosh, let me tell you, I did, it was not lost on me as it was happening. Yeah. I was like, this is so ironic that this would happen to a film about Robert Maplethorpe, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, his, his art was so vast. I mean, it, it went from everything from the innocence of a beautiful flower to something that you know, many people, and certainly in the day, referred to as pornography. Um, and yet there were so many folks who were drawn to his work. What do you think the draw was? Was it the flowers or was it the spiciness of the Well, I'll tell content? you, I had a calendar of his work when I was a kid. Um, I had no idea the breadth of, 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 of the rest of his work mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. at 10 or 11 or 12 years old whenever I had that calendar. But um, I thought the, you know, I thought the, the flowers were beautiful. And I think, you know, as he says, you know, they're New York flowers. They're dirty. He's, you know, that's an actual quote. And actually, I, I should say a lot of uh, the dialogue in the script is derived from his actual dialogue. I mean, actual words. Um, uh, so anyway, there was something about these flowers that was the flowers were subversive. You know, he 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 had people collecting flowers and putting them on his wall, but he was showing flowers, the sexuality of the flowers, you know, in mm-hmm. a way that I think also that that was what was problematic about with the church is that what he saw in the church was this gorgeous sort of sexuality that's inherent in the iconography of the church. And that's not what they want us to see. I think um, even his flowers, you know, were uh, sexualized. So he was, inverting the meaning of you know the purity of flowers at the same time mm-hmm. um he was showing them for what they are um and and that was something that kind of went over people's heads or they didn't really realize it as they collected the flowers but um yeah he did the same thing i think with with the religious iconography that he that imbued his s m work i mean that's why in the maplethorpe director's cut when he looks at these two men in leather in a li- in a New York living room, he is actually seeing Cain and Abel. He's seeing angel wings. He's seeing, mm. you know, he's he's seeing that kind of the grandeur and myth- mythical qualities of the story of Jesus like play out in his work. And you can kind of see that. You can see angels and devils fighting in his work. So um, and that's because he's like part of the church. He was made by the church and his fascinated and in love with the church and simultaneously felt like he had made a deal with the devil by being gay. So he was in trouble, you know, with that, with God. So it it was really, you can kind of see all that play out. And that's why in the film, you know, Nancy Schreiber, who's a goddess of light, our DP, you know, worked so hard to fulfill my vision of shooting everything from the side or back. Um, like lit from the side or from the back so that the contrast and beauty that's in his photographs would also be in the film itself. Um, and that was important. The film had to be beautiful enough to rise to the level of his aesthetic. Um, right. So that was challenging. So thank God we shot on film itself. We shot on Super 16 and Super 8. So, um, so interesting. And, you know, his work clearly hit some touch tones, uh, this was an entirely different time than 2021 too. I mean, what was, what was sort of the time period for our listeners are not familiar with him? What was sort of the time period of his heyday? Oh, he really came to New York and got going quickly and, and really came on the scene in the late sixties. Um, so 68, 69, 70, he was living at the Chelsea hotel and then met Sam Wagstaff, who was absolutely crucial to him, we wouldn't even probably know who Robert Maplethorpe was if it wasn't for Sam. So, so this is um, a time pe- absolutely crucial. So this is a time period where you know there's the sexual revolution going on across the country, but there's also, you know, Stonewall and the emergence of a gay culture, but still a real pushback from some very conservative views. But Maplethorpe's work helped really change that in the courts in terms of what 
was defined as obscene, right? Yes. So, um, so he attained a good deal of fame in his, in the eighties and the film jumps from mid seventies to mid eighties where he has attained the fame, but he's also alone. Um, he is much more isolated. Um, he's, he's gotten, you know, he's, he's gotten us all to see the beauty, not all of us. He's actually already and still even alive. He was, as you see at the end of the film, like there were protests outside the Whitney retrospective. That was the last public event that he attended. Um, and, you know, he was called a pornographer and all of that at the time, Jesse Helms used him as really the way to kind of strip the NEA of all their funding because mm -hmm. they funded this show called the perfect moment, which was finally the realization of his dream, which was that his work um, would all, all be displayed together so that the whole range from the S and to the flowers would all be show. And at this point, just to, to give you an idea, whether it was Sigourney Weaver or Susan Sarandon or Donald Sutherland, celebrities, you really kind of weren't famous if you weren't photographed by Robert Maplethorpe in the 80s, you know? Mm -hmm. So he, he, even though he was still doing the bullwhip up the ass, you know, and, and, and cross-dressing before anybody did and doing all of these really transgressive, uh, creating all this transgressive imagery, he was also one of the top portrait artists there were alive. Um, so it was really as he was dying that the perfect moment opened. And then Dennis Barry, the, the gallery director for the museum in Cincinnati, um, the Cincinnati Art Museum was uh, taken away in handcuffs for displaying the X portfolio to the mm -hmm. people there. Um, and then the Corcoran Gallery in, in Washington closed down the show. And this is what actually made Maplethorpe a household name, I think. You know, posthumously, even today, friends of mine who are part of a, an organization called the Creative Coalition that goes for funding for the arts, they have to battle the words Robert Maplethorpe mm -hmm. on Capitol Hill mm -hmm. to this day, even though so much of what he photographed would seem mild by today's terms. Right. You know, when you take into consideration Instagram and TikTok and the deep, dark Internet, um, right. it's, you know, Maplethorpe was way ahead of his time, though, way ahead of his time. No and uh, and it was it was this, you know, it was the closing down of the perfect moment that really showed just how stigmatized so much of what he documented is still and was then. Um so, yeah. Uh, so you obviously knew a lot about him going into this project, but then you, you talked about being given this collection of books to read and you obviously learned more about him. What, what's the one thing that surprised you or that stood out to you most about him that you didn't know? Wow. Um, I didn't know that he knowingly spread AIDS. I didn't. I had no idea about that until I point blank read that in uh, the Patricia Morris story biography, Maplethorpe. And um, I put that in the script and I expected that the Maplethorpe Foundation might ask me to take it out, um, but they didn't because that truly happened. And I think my, my reasoning on that is that again, this is a person who feels like he made a deal with the devil. So I set that up early in the film when he sleeps with his first man mm -hmm. and uh, he explains that he's now met the devil um, and he's, he sees him. And this is all documented. I mean, he was he took an acid trip and he saw the devil in his first boyfriend, David Crowland. And so he's, you know, all of that internal conflict and tension plays out. And Matt Smith, in, in, I have to say, his performance is extraordinary. He was, you know, Prince Philip in The Crown. We cast him way before The Crown years before it was necessarily he was even financeable because as a lead um, star, but his reading was incredible for, for the part. He really had the gravitas and the mercurial essence of Maplethorpe. And, um, he, but nothing could have prepared me for his extraordinary performance. And we shot the whole movie in 19 days. Wow. So he shot, you know, he was, we covered four decades of period in that in 19 days in new york and he 
had to do the range from, you know, young Maplethorpe dropping out of, out of Pratt to Maplethorpe dying of AIDS um, mm. at 42 years old. He did all of that it, it, flawlessly and beyond. Um, but yeah, I think that including knowingly spreading AIDS, um, that, you know, he believed that everyone who was gay knew what they were doing. They knew that the risks they were taking and uh, they were all responsible for themselves. And he was so angry at being cheated out of this life that he went ahead and did something very, very selfish. And I learned that, you know, I, I loved him still, you know, that I could relate. I could, I could have compassion for him and empathy for his choices. And I'm asking the audience that to do that as well by including it in the film. Um, because we all have, you know, flaws and some, in this case, he had a fatal flaw and it was fatal for other people. I'm sure who he spread, spread the disease, mm-hmm. the, the disease to, but it, it doesn't take away from the fact that he did incredible things in his life, that he changed history and changed culture and really was one of the primary cultural lightning rods in our history. So both things exist simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Ter- a terrible sin and also a, pain- a pained human being who was going through and making really bad choices right then who also did extraordinary and beautiful things, you know, and that I think that complexity and that gray area is something that I, I keep coming back to in my work and exploring because I kind of want the audience to understand that no matter what their flaws are, they can do and create beautiful things, incredible things and follow through on those ideas. I think it's somewhat empowering to see that, you know, instead of glossing over uh, some of these things. Hmm. That's a pretty powerful lesson. Yeah. I also learned about Patty Smith and how they, they weren't together for, you know, they, they were, I, they, their friendship really disappeared for a good almost decade until mm-hmm. he, till he was about to die. And so you see that kind of play out in the beginning of act three of my film where he can't get her on the phone, you know? And, um, yeah, it was very tender to have Marianne Rendon, who did an incredible job playing Patty, uh, return to his deathbed. So you see him sort of hallucinate that he sees Sam Wagstaff, who was played by Benjamin, John Benjamin Hickey, an incredible performance. And then he thinks he sees, he thinks he sees Sam, but Sam's an apparition. Um, he has already passed away from AIDS and then Patty appears and it's, it's really a beautiful reunion. Um, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that because I think in popular culture, everybody thinks that they were like Frito and Diego, mm-hmm. Frito and Diego, mm-hmm. and that they were like partners till the end, but there was a, a great space um, where he was alone. He had lost Sam. He had lost Patty. And I think part of, part of the reason for that is that he could, make everything perfect in the frame of the photograph, but he couldn't perfect people and relationships and people are messy. And I think the, the more he went down the rabbit hole of making everything absolutely spick and span perfect, the more that relationships frustrated him, you know? Um, Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. So as you look back at all of his work and you've seen clearly the full spectrum of it, uh, if you had to pick one piece of art to hang in your house as your favorite, what would it be? Huh. You got some great questions. <laughs> um, there's a, a shot. There's so many, but you'll see them. You'll see my favorite photographs in the credits, actually. Um, yeah. I mean, by the way, that was one of the, the most enjoyable aspects of uh of getting to to write the script was getting to imagine how some of these photographs came to be mm-hmm. um you know like the knife and the flower and 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 picturing that maybe that flower was given to him by his father um who he had in a life lifelong conflict with um and yeah and seeing him make these photographs bringing that to life um and, and kind of knowing where the, you know, getting an understanding of where these photographs came from was, was really 
a lot of, of fun. That was probably one of my favorite things. Um, so I love the knife and the flower, which we actually picture it, him making in the film. Um, but also the American flag, the way he shoots the American flag and his relationship to the American flag. You'll see that play out through the film too. Um, and you'll see that photograph in the end credits. I probably would put that on my wall. And also, you know, him and drag, I just think is beautiful and so ahead of his time and so outrageous back then. Um, mm. And I also really love the black man and white man hugging their Ken Moody and Robert Sherman are the two men mm -hmm. uh, hugging in that photograph. I forget the name of the photograph, but it is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture. And uh, again, ahead of its time in terms of coming together, uh, despite race and all of that. Um, ahead of its time, but very timely today, huh? Yes, perfectly on time for mm, right now. Yeah. So yeah. It, the the director's cut began to stream or become available on streaming services uh, early April. We reported that on our news segment. So what have you heard so far? What's the reaction been? Oh, it's been great. I mean, it's 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 so nice after having been, you know, so misunderstood as, <laughs> as having been behind the official version um, and being criticized for all the things that it was missing, which I had actually had in the film. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, revisits, whether it's Roger Ebert or, uh, you know, various critics saying, uh, well, you know, it was reviewed negatively before, but actually, I have to say, I really like it. <laughs> and for these reasons and then listing the things that were missing in the last one that are actually were truly in the film it's somewhat vindicating but also sure. just heartening heartening to know that his legacy you know it's really thanks to the tireless work and uh generosity of jamie wolf and Geraldine dreyfus and natalie siever um who really jamie got saw my director's cut early on um before before anything. And, uh, and then when she saw the official version, she just thought it was really didn't stand up in any way or live up to the quality of the original cut. And she fought for years, years and years to make, to make this happen. So, um, and she made it happen. So it was just tenacity and grit, which, uh, I, I'm so appreciative of, you know, yeah. I, I, I was never going to be able to do that. That's great. And uh, so the fact that it's on Hulu now and Canopy and available everywhere, ostensibly forever, is beautiful. So it's a little I mean, late, but, you know. Well, better late than never. And Better late than never, you for know, sure. It, it's a contribution to the growing um, collection of LGBT history that's being documented in, in documentaries and films and stories that has been largely invisible for, you know, a couple centuries. So it's going to be an important contribution to that. Have you heard from any? I, I'm of very your, happy about that. Yeah. Yeah, as you should be. Have you heard from any of your original censors? No, I haven't. Interesting. I haven't. I wonder if they but, watched. But you it. know, I, my inbox is like a jungle, so it's possible. <laughs> I, have, I think their names would stand out, but yeah, yeah, I'm sure they have seen it. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's all good. I'd rather just move on. You know, um, it's a beautiful thing that. All of it's beautiful. Even even the uh, you know even the other version is is has so much in it that is just incredible. Um, it's such a textured and gorgeous film. The work that Jonah Markowitz did as a production designer and Nancy Schreiber did behind the camera, and you know as I mentioned, like Matt Smith and you know uh, Lenny McCormick, Carolyn McCormick, who plays his mother, Joan Maplethorpe, and oh, the list goes on. I mean, the cast is incredible. And what they pulled off in 19 days and that New York crew and that all women, all women camera crew too, all women nice. camera team. Yeah. It was just amazing. Nice. Um, so and I can't wait to go on and make more scripted films. My next one is about my father, who's also an impossible visionary um, and started an airline in uh, 1972 that became the fastest growing airline in, in the world for 10 years until his neck was cracked and he suffered a massive stroke. Uh, and then still went on to do incredible things uh, as a hemiplegic for 40 years. He just passed away, but it's called a stroke of genius. So 
I'm actually working on a rewrite that I did with him on his deathbed now. And uh, that'll be an amazing, another period piece, but another amazing film to, to make. So I look forward to more of that as well. Good for you. So we'll yeah. put some links on our website at outbeatnews.com where you can go to stream uh, this amazing biopic and story of Robert Maplethorpe. Uh, where can people go to follow your work, Andy? Uh, well, I'm my company is called Interloper Films, so interloperfilms.com. I'm Andy Timoner on you know social media. Um, I'm not an oversharer, but I do share my work on there. I just made a film, a documentary about the opioid epidemic called Coming Clean. That is the first one that kind of ha- is full of hope, solutions, and recovery, um, and uh, and also kind of looks at where all of that hap- how it happened to us. Um, so that you can reach through through my site and that you'll see that I've, that's the last stuff I've been talking about. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty easy to find. Excellent. Find me. (laughs) We'll put all those links on there for our listeners. So you can just go to our website, uh, go to the top of the page, click show notes and you'll be able to get connected. Andy, thank you so much for sharing the story of this film and giving us some insight into Robert Maplethorpe. Thank you for the challenging interview and uh, thorough interview. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Alpi News In-Depth here on KRCB-FM. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, next week, Pride Month 2021 begins, and Sonoma County Pride organizers have one of the most incredible months of events planned for you. And with us now is the president of Sonoma County Pride, Chris Kren, and Vice President Grace Villafuerte. Welcome. Well, thank you for having us. Uh, So last year, everybody was really stuck inside in quarantine, and we missed out on a lot of, of Pride celebrations in here in Sonoma County and, and around the area, but you you still did some Pride activities last year. For those people who missed it, talk about how you maneuvered around the quarantine. Go ahead, Grace. A, a lot of persistence and desire, <laughs> I would say. Um, we were able to pull off a virtual event that was partially filmed live and partially um, pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. And that included a lot of a lot of um, performers, singers uh, performing, and we were able to film that at Luther Burbank Center and live stream it, live stream the event uh, for Pride. And what was super exciting is that in quarantine, I think a lot of us folks who do events, we've gotten a chance to be more creative in quarantine. And with these limitations and Zoom and you know, all these things that people are using now, it gives us an opportunity to kind of think outside the box. Mm -hmm. And so what was exciting about 2020 Pride is that we got to really include and incorporate a lot of um, individuals in our community. So everybody had the opportunity to be part of Pride and in the virtual event, even even though we're all quarantined at home. And um, one of those ways was we we went around and asked folks to, to do a personal video and folks who couldn't leave their house and meet us at one of our one of our locations, mm-hmm. they were able to submit a personal video. And some of these things talked about um, what what their experience was in quarantine, including something that maybe they discovered about themselves. So that was pretty exciting. And then um, also in our virtual pride, we got to highlight some members of our community that have been doing outstanding things. So even though you know, even though 2020 was pretty crazy, and we got we had to do a much obviously a drop in the bucket compared to what we usually do. It was still pretty exciting. And all the folks who attended, um, we've got a lot of positive feedback from them and folks are still watching it. It's still, it's recorded and on YouTube and on our Facebook. So people can still watch the event. Yeah, that's really cool. It's almost like a little time capsule, you know, of that, of that particular moment that people can go back to and say, yeah, I remember getting stuck inside the house for a year. Right. One of the cool things was our all of our content that we produced, we got to share with other prides too. So other prides around the world got to see glimpses of what Sonoma County is all about That's nice. uh, in the broadcast. So I, I watched it and I thought it was great. And again, for a locally produced event that was put together, really, I'll say in the last minute, but a lot more time when they were planning it than that. But you know, in some extraordinary circumstances that nobody has been in before, I thought it was really fun. And we'll put a link, if you if you missed it, uh, for our listeners out there who didn't get a chance to see it, we'll put a link on our website at outbeatnews.com. Just click on show notes at the top of the page, 
and we'll have a link to last year's uh, celebration. You can take a look at it. This year's theme is Beyond the Rainbow. So talk about where that idea came from and, and its meaning and context today. So yeah, this year's theme is Beyond the Rainbow, Surviving, Reviving, and Thriving. And the idea was, first of all, I'll go with the um, Surviving, Reviving, and Thriving. We, every everybody in the last year has been affected by COVID, obviously, by the shelter in place. And some folks were able to really thrive in it. And some folks are still really just surviving. And some folks, as we come out of shelter in place a little bit, some of us, are starting to get their bearings and we're starting to see each other and that sort of thing. But it's an acknowledgement that everybody is in a different place. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we all were in different circumstances when COVID hit and we were all affected differently. Some financially, some personally, a lot of people suffered losses of their family and friends. And we wanted to um, have a theme that kind of encompassed that and included everybody and also was inspiring for folks to not only go towards the rainbow, but beyond it, which for us, I think we, I mean, we can all kind of self-define what our rainbow is, but I think in this way, we kind of talk about, you know, our hopes, our dreams, our goals, that sort of thing. And so we want to encourage everyone to not only reach their goals, but also look past that with the acknowledgement that we're all, you know, some of us, we're just trying to, we're just trying to stay afloat. We tied it in with uh, the Wizard of Oz to, to show uh, Dorothy's journey through her, the movie. And, you know, it, it's, she's got all these hurdles and trying to get home and trying to get back to that point, uh, the balance point where love and everybody, where her family's at. And our, we felt that it matched the theme really well. So we're pulling in elements of Wizard of Oz into everything that we're producing for the summer. Yeah. Right. And along with, with Dorothy, there were so many characters along her journey that, that helped her. And right. we want to acknowledge that we want to help folks. We, and we created, we hopefully created a month long series of events in June that will include everybody, folks of different ages and abilities, folks who can go out and participate in in-person events and folks who cannot come out of their house at all. Um, and, and so traditionally, if, if folks are new to Sonoma County, you know, the usual Pride celebration has always been on the first weekend of June. It's a it's an intensive weekend of events. And then that's sort of it. But this year, you're you're planning events all month long and kind of so, spreading uh, things out a little bit. Yeah, we did that because of COVID. Right. Actually, we did. We did it for the social distancing aspect. And and we knew that putting together any of our events, usually we have a very large draw. So where we really were trying to plan each one of our events to be socially distanced. And so there's caps on the number of people that can be at each one. Um, and we've, we've done hybrid events. So we have uh, pieces of events like the drive-through parade is a great example. That's, that's one of our first major events that's coming up. And this particular event will be streamed. We're going to do a stream version of it. So people that are still don't want to come out or don't want to get, you know, come out and still be in their car and safe drive through, uh, they can watch the live stream version so they can see what's going on and, and have an opportunity to at least participate online virtually as well. So we've been working hard to reimagine every aspect of pride, our traditional pride and try to bring it back back out there for everybody. That's awesome. So let's kind of break things down a little bit based upon what you know right now. I know that you're still finalizing some details. When does everything begin? We actually start our events on June 1st with the rising, raising of the pride flag over the Rosenberg building down in downtown Santa Rosa. Um, and that will be live streamed as well. Uh, we'll start, the stream will start about 11 and then we'll raise the flag at noon or sooner, depending on if our group all gets together. And who, in, <laughs> okay. And unless we're running gonna, on gay time, and then that's different. Yeah. <laughs> and who it's, all yeah. is going to be participating in that? Um, this year, it'll be mostly the Pride Board due to COVID regulations. We, uh, we have to actually get in a really cramped elevator to get up there. So um, we're keeping it a small group. Um, our friends from Visit Santa Rosa usually come and join us too. So they, they, they're, um, they'll come over. Uh, you can actually watch us in person at on the square in Santa Rosa to put the flag up. But we will be streaming from b b below the flag when we do it. So you can see the behind the scenes of us getting it up there and 
in the cramped elevator and all of us talking and all the fun stuff that before it goes up. Great. And um, also on June 1st, we will be releasing our scavenger hunt list, which the, it will take people, folks can um, participate in the scavenger hunt throughout the month. Um, but the list, like I was saying, in order to include everybody who may be able to run around and do all the participate in all these events or folks who are um, going to be staying at home, as, as well as families and etc. We'll be releasing a scavenger hunt and it's going to be comprised of a bunch of different kinds of activities. Some of them will be, a lot of them actually will be taking selfies throughout Sonoma County. Um, for example, standing on the rainbow crosswalk triangle in Santa Rosa, um, taking pictures of themselves with the pride flag in the different cities in Sonoma County. Um, also supporting some of our sponsors and taking a selfie with themselves either at Grayton Casino or Brew or something like that. And then also if folks want to get a little more personal, they can make a video of themselves talking about various things. For example, maybe giving a message to somebody who's thinking about coming out, somebody who was maybe an LGBT hero for themselves as they were coming out, that sort of a thing. And Fun. then there's also going to be some surprises of some on, on some of the days folks will have some special things to do if they want to participate. Not everyone needs to do all of these all of these activities, um, but it'll just be a kind of a fun thing for folks to partake, participate in. And so where would people go to get the scavenger hunt list on June 1st? That'll be both on our website and Facebook. And so the scavenger hunt's going to run through the entire month? Yes. And so folks can submit their pictures throughout the month if they like. Um, we'll have a hashtag. And then also if they don't want to use a hashtag, they can submit it via email or, or by text. Excellent. Excellent. That should be fun. All right. So that's all June 1st. What's after that? Well, right before the parade on Wednesday, June 2nd, we start a series of Zooms called Friends with Dorothy. It's a community interaction Zoom and educational panel that we want to do. So every Wednesday, we have different topics and different uh, nonprofits that we're working with to produce the Zooms. But there will be a social hour um, at the beginning. And then we'll go into different, uh, like our first panel is the LGBTQI plus needs assessment survey. Uh, and the coalition will come in with us and talk about it and talk about how important it is. And we work from there. Uh, we've got different topics for every Wednesday throughout the month of June. What time do those <laughs> events take place? It'll start at about 5.30 with about the first half hour being a social, whoever wants to participate in the social um, and then from about six to seven will be a presentation by speakers um, or a panel of speakers. And then the last 30 minutes will be participation or Q&A with the audience. Um, you know, we'll go with whatever, however, however the, the presentation flows. Great. So traditionally, the first week of June, we've always seen the Pride Festival and also the parade. And this year, I understand you're going to be doing a drive through parade. Tell us about that. Grayton, first of all, I'd have to do a shout out to Grayton. Grayton uh, Resort and Casino has come on board as our annual title sponsor. Um, they are going to be helping us out from now until the end of the year on all of the events that we have planned beyond June as well. So uh, when they came on board, one of my first questions to them was, hey, would you host a parade? <laughs> so we've gone back and forth a lot about the vision of the parade, and they agreed and so we're going to take over probably a third of their parking lots south of the uh, event center that they have uh, between the hotel and the edge of their, their property and do a big loop with approximately 30 participants uh, that will be on display for the, the people coming through. Um, and we're also working with a theatrical team to add some extra gayness to... <laughs> to the parade so i don't want to give out too much but we're we're, we're kind of excited things are coming out come, coming together and it's really starting to look very exciting on our side oh, i was just going to say it's turning into quite the production and and if folks haven't um seen a drive-through parade before which i haven't been part of um the float contingents will be stationary and the spectators will stay in their vehicles and, and drive past the different the different contingents oh. Okay. So I was just going to ask about how that was, how that was going to work. So 30 or so stationary floats and the participants Correct. really are going to be the ones that will drive through a little pathway Correct. to see all these displays. Exactly. Very and cool. And we're also, 
we're also set up uh, time slots on the re- reservation. Um, it's free to go through the parade. It's free to, free to drive through it. We are asking for donations to help for the cost of the parade. We're uh, working with some sponsors, but we don't have one committed specifically for the parade yet. So we are asking for people to help us out a little bit on the when they come through. Um, but it's set up for 15-minute increments on our website to do a reservation. So you can, you know, like 11 o'clock, 11.15, you can go in there, choose when you'd like to come through, register. Again, it's free. And it's just reserving your spot so that we can control the flow of traffic through the parade. Okay, so from 11 to 2 on June 5th, which is a Saturday, right? Yes, sir. And in order to attend, you need to go to the Sonoma County Pride website and register first. Sign up for a slot so that there's not this gigantic traffic jam going into the great casino. There will be some special instructions on your ticket. Um, We're working on, we're going to send a message out where... Uh, everybody should come in through the business park entrance of Grayton's property, which is south of on the south side of their property. Okay. Which will give directions on our on our tickets, so everybody knows. Fantastic. And do you want people that are going to be visiting, driving through, to dress up any particular way? You mean decorate their car? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a great idea, Greg. Let's have folks decorate their cars. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would um, be awesome. Brush up on Wizard of Oz themes. Yes, yes. Brush up. We we haven't we haven't announced any of that, but we'd love to have. Okay. I think that would be awesome, and, oh, and we will we will just like our regular parades. Um, contingents will be voted upon, voted on. There will be judges, um, etc. So things you know we're trying to keep things as similar to the parade as possible. Um, but I I will say this is turning into an over the top production that you will not want to miss. <laughs> that sounds, yes. That sounds really fun. If, if everything goes as planned. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, if everything goes as planned without us being too vague, um, yeah. it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't doubt that. So when people show up and they drive through, how much time should they plan to spend going through and looking at the parade? I would say plan your visit at least for a half an hour. Okay. And Grace, you mentioned it's going to be live streamed. Yeah. So Chris and I will be running around um, live streaming on, I believe, YouTube and Facebook um, yes. so that folks who who can't attend, who cannot attend, will be able to witness it as well. Terrific. And that broadcast will start at 11 a.m. Yeah, if yeah, if yep. not sooner. Very good. Yeah, we'll, we'll be online probably sooner just, you know, checking in with everybody. And oh, one of our feature uh, presentations will be SF Cheer this year. For the first time ever, SF Cheer is coming up to Sonoma County to celebrate Pride with us. So they will be in our parade as well as our uh, the concert at the end of the month, which Great. we'll talk about. Great. So that that's happening on June 5th. Um, give us a sense of what else is happening moving through uh, that first week of June and into the second. I, um, after the parade, June 6th, we're working with Santa Rosa Gator to host a high tea, uh, drag high tea at Tudor Tea House in Santa Rosa, in downtown Santa Rosa. And this is uh, this will be a benefit for Sonoma County Pride. I know one of your questions is, how do we pay for the events? We throw more events mm-hmm. <laughs> so that we can, we can pay for them. But uh, at this particular event, there'll be a drag show. Um, and then the purchase of mimosas or wine, uh, beverage, the, all that proceeds will go towards 2021 Sonoma County Pride. Awesome. And where, and I, where and is this going to be taking that, place? Uh, this takes place at the Tudor uh, Tea House, English Tea House on 4th Street in Santa Rosa. Great. And looking at the calendar, you've got events going on really every Sunday throughout June. Every Sunday in June, we'll also be offering an outdoor activity for folks to participate in. The, these events will be will offer an alternative sober activity to all our other events, and we'll also encourage safe socializing and promoting healthy activities. And they'll also be family friendly. Um, so, for example, so every Sunday we'll have an outdoor activity, and they'll include hikes and therapeutic movement incorporating Qigong kind of movement. Mm -hmm. And then one exciting thing we're doing is um, a paddle at Spring Lake in coordination with Sonoma County Regional Parks on June 20th. So again, we're so lucky to be able to collaborate with so many different organizations to be able to put on these events. But every Sunday in June, we will be doing an outdoor activity event. 
So I'm curious, this is new. I mean, it's not that we haven't had community involvement before, but you've got a lot of a, a widespread community involvement, I'd say. What's the reaction been from organizations like Sonoma County Parks? Excited. Um, yeah, excited. Well, with every with the COVID, you know, uh, compliance being pulled back a little bit and changing tiers that like Sonoma County Regional Parks is very excited to get out and promote some of it because that's uh, not only is it outdoor, I mean, it's educational too. A lot of people don't even know we have all these great res- resources that we can take advantage of. And mm-hmm. so we're, we're trying to help cross promote. I think it's good. It's great for our health. It's great for our mind. <laughs> um, especially after being locked up for a year, you know? Yeah, it's terrific. The, the calendar's so almost the, done with the first week of June. Yeah. I was going to say the calendar's <laughs> really filling up already. I mean, you've got something every Wednesday, every Sunday, uh, we've got the, the first weekend covered in June. Let's look out beyond that into maybe a couple of the highlights in June okay. uh, that you want to talk about. We have two events that we, we would like to highlight. Um, okay. Ju- June 19th, Saturday, June 19th, we have, uh, it's called Behind the Curtain. It's movie night. We are going to uh, show Wizard of Oz sing-along. Uh, it's dinner and a movie. So uh, as we're stated at the beginning of the interview, all of our events are COVID compliant and they're being produced as if the event's happening today. So right now, in order to gather, we have to do dinner in a movie. So we are offering up uh, a Southern style dinner that you can choose three entrees from um, to go along with your movie. Uh, this, this particular event's being brought to you by U.S. Bank. Um, they're our sponsor. And then our big claim to fame event, uh, one that if, if there was only one event that you could go to out of everything on our schedule, it's the Pride concert that will take place on June 26th. We're planning on having Todrick Hall as our headliner. Um, tickets are on sale right now. Um, and it'll be fun. It's all set up for pods. So uh, if it's two, four, or six in a pod, you buy your tickets all together. When you show up, you'll get a wristband brought to your pod in the concert area. And uh, from there, you have a good time. That's terrific. Well, he is quite the entertainer. So anybody who goes is going to really enjoy the show. You also need lots of volunteers for all of these events coming up. How can people get involved? They, well, they could start at our website. And then if you want to volunteer, just go to the volunteer button and click on that. Okay. And that will take you to a page where it has all the days and shifts and tasks that need to be done. So you can just self self sign up. Perfect. And what's the website? Give us that website address. SonomaCountyPride.org. Grace and Chris, thank you so much again for all your time and your thoughtfulness and your energy. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in Zoom or maybe even in person. Yay. Thank you. Happy Pride, everyone. Happy Pride. Thank you. And that wraps up our hour. I'll be back next week with an Outbeat Extra edition of Outbeat News in Depth and celebrating the sixth anniversary of marriage equality here in the U.S. with special guest Jim Obergefell. He was the lead plaintiff in the Supreme Court marriage case. In the meantime, have a great week, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia. Our shows are available for on-demand play anytime on our website at outbeatnews.com and on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now on iHeartRadio. Find links to subscribe at outbeatnews.com. Support for Outbeat Radio on KRCBFM comes from listeners and from Rocky, the free-range chicken, and Rosie, the original organic chicken, air-chilled, non-GMO, locally raised here in Sonoma County with no antibiotics ever. More information is available at rockyandrosie.com. You're listening to KRCBFM Windsor and KDHTFM Ronert Park. It's 9 p.m. Stay with us. Afropop is next.